0: You're listening to Songs Out Loud from St. Louis, Missouri.
1: Who is my god? Um nature really um being a piece of something bigger. When tremolo and delay interact, you can get some really cool vibes happening. Major 7. A flat minor instead of A minor. Because I had a couple other possible notes. Pushing myself to my limit. And maybe still not finding answers. this whole song is like one big why like songs out loud breaks it down instrument by instrument I probably at that point lyric did a by lyric rhythm and electric beat by beat it's kind of like a divey honky tonk or something and I,
2: and and straight in the
1: uh, I think we've all been led astray uh, quite a bit um Gandhi lives on in this song, for sure.
0: I'm Aaron Doerr.
1: Hopefully you can't hear my dishwasher. I'm like, one, two, check in the
0: mic. Talking into the mic. Getting a little excited in the mic. Kevin Koehler is a multi-instrumentalist singer and songwriter as well as live sound engineer and owner-operator of Lucy Sound Lab. When he's not playing guitar for the rock band Ilphonics, Kevin writes and performs under the name Obviously Offbeat. It was in July of 2021 when he released an album of folk-inspired rock and pop music. The song A Conversation With God is from that album, Infinite Will. For this episode, he shared nine multitrack stems of instrument groups, and two phone recordings of the early stages of that song's origin. We'll start there.
1: My name is Kevin Kayler of Obviously Offbeat. Oftentimes, I'll just find myself in, you know, my music room with the piano, or maybe, maybe not in that room, just strumming on my acoustic guitar. I'm always looking to write songs. Uh, most of my free time, uh, you know, especially in a, a pre-COVID era, I only had time for my uh, hip-hop group, Ill Phonics.
2: Yeah.
1: So, like, all my energy outside of like just paying bills, uh, more or less, went to Ilphonics and quarantine really gave me the extra space I needed to develop like these, you know, maybe I had about a dozen songs I started to work from and then just whittled them down. But this song actually developed a lot faster than songs in the past. There's usually absolutely no lyrics. Um, For this one, you know, again, just kind of asking God, like, why in different ways. Just vocally, I wanted that to come across, like I am literally pleading. You know, it's really pushing myself to my limit and maybe still not finding answers, still feeling angry about certain things, and that if there's anything to take back from any conversation with a, you know, divine entity, it's like, you gotta do the work on your own, you know? A change will never come until you do. That line is intended to be the line that God returned to me. You know, be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, it started in A minor. Voice memos are the beginning of every new song. I'll just come up with like a figure that I kind of like, and then I'll just start vocalizing over it. And it's just, it's not so much about specifically what the word is, it's more about what the sound of the word is. And like, so if you're recording it, then you can go back and be like, oh, I heard that word. Even if you didn't necessarily say that word, but it could be, like an E sound on the on a certain end of that's how I want the cadence to end is like all E's or something like that. So uh, yeah, the words it's it's very rare for words to be anywhere near their final point in that initial demo stage. The first demo, I'm kind of singing it very, very softly, but I was like, yeah, I like the melody, but I don't want it to sound like I'm whispering. So then I tried it the second time where I'm like really using uh, the full strength of my my throat and everything. Actually, that's probably the, <laughs> the main main problem, I guess. Not enough diaphragm, but... Uh, yeah, I think there were a few runs that I felt like really good about, but to keep it up for the whole length of the song just was impossible. You know, my voice is cracking, like, the whole time. It's like, you know, literally like knocking on Heaven's door or something. I'm, I'm taking myself to as far as my physical body will let me go. Which, even if I got it right in the studio, I'm still going to have to play this live at some point. So uh, I decided to move the key down a half step. Yeah, A flat minor instead of A minor. Yeah, like, this isn't, music isn't always something that just comes naturally. Like, it could be a really painstaking process overthinking and doubt and like is this good enough it takes work
2: this
1: was the last song on the album that I recorded vocals on
2: a change will never come until you do
1: because I really just had to work up to it um, yeah I mean it, it was really kind of uh, intimidating just knowing the whole time that this is the song that's at the highest end of my register and I'm like am I going to be able to do it I don't know but like you know ultimately we did it
2: and... I've had enough of this
0: is there any kind of special prep you do for your vocals like you know, um, tea and honey
1: always tea and honey always oh, okay. like seriously it's it's it helps so much Um, So yeah, usually some sort of lemon squeeze in there as well. Um, Justin Smith, who among others has worked with Mark Lanigan of the Screaming Trees and Queens of the Stone Age, and I refer to him uh, as the Godfather of Grund. Not just a vocal inspiration, but wow. That's a mammoth of a songwriter there and basically the, the melody in the verse is very much inspired by a, a Lanigan kind of a phrasing.
0: This is the song Riding the Nightingale by Mark Lanigan, rest in peace, from the 1994 album Whiskey for the Holy Ghost.
1: The way that the note kind of like swoops up and back down. That's that's the kind of vibe that I felt I wanted to cultivate on this song. Just kind of a spooky, kind of a ethereal, yet totally grounded and very folky, you know.
2: I've had enough of this Is nothing it's pretty bluesy. Is
1: yeah, Justin certainly helped me decide, like, which, uh, which, which harmonies kind of should be there,
0: because I had a couple other possible notes. He's talking about the choice of possibilities for overlapping vocal melodies. And,
1: you know, I didn't want to add too many, and, you know, there's no reason to. Like, but I knew I, at least three, like... Some sort of bassy low end, and then mid rangey, and then and then the high, the highest one, the top end of my vocal register. Just having someone else there to be like, "Hey, no, that was great. Like, don't overthink it." And so he helped me, kind of gave me um, that extra push I needed to finish the vocals. Like, so him, and then also Alex Stewart, um, who's a local awesome musician who. Uh, just has a great ear for so many different styles of music and there's a few songs on here that I would say he co-produced with uh, what we ended up doing on the vocal parts Um, but like the whole album started with me performing to a click track with my Taylor 214 most of the acoustic guitars you hear on the album are that very very first you know so called scratch track but I recorded it well enough that I could use it if I wanted it. I probably at that point did a the rhythm electric part just to see, and just so I could like mute and unmute those different ones and see just to see what could work during the different sections. Like, does the electric come in a little bit harder on the, the choruses, or maybe it comes in on the second verse, or, you know, who knows? So just trying out stuff like that. But I probably after laying down one of the electrics, I probably got that idea for the Nashville style tuning part. Taking all of the octave higher strings of a 12 string set and just like discarding the normal uh, gauges for the normal guitar tuning, and just only using the octave higher strings. You know, I think I heard of that style of tuning reading a Guitar World, probably you know, when I was like 12 years old. And like, <laughs> I, I I don't think I fully understood it until I like saw it again later, and then I looked it up, and I was like, oh yeah, that would be that'd be great just to mimic a 12-string sound without owning a 12-string. Uh, I'm really, again, very fortunate how this kind of worked out because my very, very, very first guitar that I ever got when I was 11 on my birthday to start learning is a Yamaha. I don't even know what the make is or the, the model, but um, but yeah, that, that guitar seems to react beautifully to this whole Nashville style situation and um, it's great I, I, I plan to continue using that a lot it's you know just such a unique thing and you get a different timbre out of a guitar than you normally would have. So yeah, guitar would be the the first thing recorded on all the songs and then drums was next. And like I hadn't really, you know, had the time or funds to like really deck it out with all the acoustic treatment, but I was like, who cares? Like and you know, I I did demos first and I was like, this is gonna work, you know, like it's like you know, it's a little harsh, but so is my playing, so it doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, so you might have been tempted to use a like Logic Pro drummer or a GarageBand drummer, right?
1: No, never. Only if the project were like electronic focused. Like, whenever you hear electronic drums on a rock song, I just. I just want to throw up, like, <laughs> like after having like gained, uh, you know, critical listening skills over the years and listening back to like collective souls shine, like mm-hmm. the drum machineness of those drums is like really hard to bear. <laughs> Again, I'm, you know, just the whole theme of the album is working with what you got, like, that's just the vibe of this album. It's not that I'm against using electronic elements, it's just that uh, all the songs really started with acoustic guitar, kind of like in that, you know, folk lineage almost. And like, I wanted to keep it consistent uh, and I, I didn't want to uh, <laughs> do stuff on the drums that like literally I could not do. Like. Um just really simple stuff and, and so um, even having the vibe of uh, it's kind of like a divey honky tonk or something and I intentionally had the instruments and the drums like especially feel like there there's a drunk drummer just like trying to keep up but then by the end of the song he kind of has it you know.
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah, so the looseness is there. Um, how do you do that as a drummer? Well,
1: not care so much. I don't know. Um, it's just also again just knowing I'm not a professional drummer, and that if I tried to labor over everything being perfect, then it would just waste a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Nobody's gonna hear it separated mm-hmm. until you know they listen to this podcast. So. Uh, to me, it, yeah. it doesn't really matter. It's all about what the final product is. And um, so, yeah, so after drums was bass. So one of the takes is lead ideas or more of like what you would think of as a effects guitar. I knew that this song needed an extra atmosphere, you know, if we're talking about God and divine conversation, like, there's a tremolo, pedal, uh, delay. When tremolo and delay interact, you can get
0: some really cool vibes happening. Um, Is that the fun part um, of the creative process is coming up with all the the decorations and the embellishments and stuff?
1: absolutely (laughs) it's definitely my favorite part um you know that all the getting the drums and bass down like that stuff's hard and requires a lot of concentration and you have to make sure that that's right before you can move on so it is really like a delaying gratification kind of a process but once you get over that hump and start overdubbing fun stuff and that's yeah that's where it's at for me
0: okay so you have most of all these layers and then you start mixing it um at some point a vibraphone happened talk to me about that
1: <laughs> okay yeah so honestly the vibraphone is what helped me complete the whole album nice because i started to think all these songs were boring like <laughs> i was like man they all kind of sound the same they need something they need something but i don't know what it is yet and uh my good friend jackson from mother meat um who's uh going to be start he's going to be putting out music under the name boss drago but basically he's he owns a multitude of instruments when i say multitude i i am not lying to you like you name it sitar koto dozens of percussion instruments two drum kits a couple of pianos a couple of organs you know it's really out of control <laughs> it's a zoo i mean Plus he's got pictures of animals all over the walls too, so it's, yeah. And so, um, since I've been recording his music for years, like we've really developed a strong connection and uh, I was going over to his house like a couple times a week playing his vibraphone and when I came up with certain vibraphone parts, it really just made the whole project click. And. There was a whole song, even, that I was about to get tossed until I found a melody for that song on vibraphone, which is uh, the song Well If You Don't Need Me. But, um, but yeah, adding that vibraphone part just adds a little extra spookiness to it, I feel.
0: Before we conclude with the finished version of the song, a quick note. Astoundingly, one month after recording this episode, Kevin's vocal and songwriting inspiration Mark Lanigan died at the age of 57 at his home in Killarney, Ireland. His December 2021 memoir, Devil in a Coma, details a tragic and dramatic battle with COVID-19. No official cause of death was announced. Kevin dedicated a recent performance of the song to Lanigan during his set on Live, Listen, and Local at KDHX. To hear all the songs of that performance as well as the interview, go to kdhx.org. And now, A Conversation with God by Kevin Kaler.
1: I want to dedicate this to the spirit of Mark Lanigan. He was uh, the originator, basically, of grunge music in has been a huge influence on me, both directly and in- indirectly. So this is, this is for him.
0: Songs Out Loud is produced, engineered, and mixed by me, Aaron Dorr. but I got the idea to do this from my favorite songs deconstruction podcast, Song Exploder, at Radiotopia through PRX, hosted by Rishikesh Hirway. and you should definitely be subscribed there, too. The artists you hear on Songs Out Loud agree. Your digital music and merchandise purchases from their websites or places like Bandcamp are among the most direct ways you can support them. And I would love to have you back here next time for another Songs Out Loud production. That was my favorite part that I played, by the way, that little D minor or D to F section. It sounds minory, actually. It's so weird. I was playing along to it, um, and I was like, oh, "Yeah, what is that minor chord or whatever?" And I was like, "Wait, it's D major." Uh, well, it's so, um, yeah.
1: ends up being well, yeah, they're both major, but I guess um. It The harmonies kind of blur the lines, is. I think, is what happens. The vocal harmonies.
0: Yeah. Let me see that.
1: And it's the... On the second chord, it's uh, major seven. Mm-hmm,
0: that adds some darkness. Which...
1: Yeah. Heavily hitting that... Uh, I, I always think of it in terms of its normal key because it's actually half step down. So this conversation could actually get quite confusing. It is. <laughs> so, and I love that you
0: sent these demos because that's kind of the point of this whole uh, show is that um, to show people that like songs are written and that they don't just come out of like an app somewhere, you know. And so these demos, are really yeah. gonna lean on them. I definitely um,
1: want to show folks that, yeah, like this isn't. S- Music isn't always something that just comes naturally, like, it takes work.